0: Fox fans, Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. Time for one of the most special bucks inside our lives presented by Miller Lights that we have ever done. Because it's the first one where we can actually talk about, we are going to the Super Bowl. This is incredible. I can't even imagine how many thoughts, comments, questions, everything that everybody has. So if you're not already watching on the Facebook page, head on over there and you can submit some questions for us in the comments section. Uh, this is just so exciting. I feel like we could just spend this whole time talking about how excited we are, but we will also make sure we give some people some news. Um, but unfortunately, before we get into some of the celebratory parts of this, uh, there was something that, and as part of the Buccaneers family, uh, was very, very sad and that we wanted to acknowledge alongside with the excitement of the Super Bowl. Um, but Scott, I know that um, you wanted to go ahead and, and talk about this and this very special person of the organization.
1: Yeah, obviously this is an incredibly exciting time for the organization. Lots of great news, but we were all very, very saddened by the loss of Jill Hobbs, who passed away last Friday. Um, she was a pioneer in this organization, essentially there since day one. Uh, She's a friend to everybody in the organization, which means personally, she was a friend to me for roughly three decades, and um, she helped me through some formative years there early on with the team. So uh, she will be sorely missed and remembered for a very, very, very long time.
0: Yes, and I am uh, very glad that we were able to acknowledge that. And I heard a lot of the people in the organization talking about how we felt like she was uh, smiling down on all of us, watching us go to the Super Bowl. I saw Mike Evans included her in his post uh, celebrating the game. So everyone knew that this is definitely something she uh, would have been so excited about and was still a part of 1000%. Um, so, yeah, we uh, want to give a chance for you guys to submit some of your questions. And um, first of all, I guess we, we kind of want to talk about just what this schedule is like, that this is very different Um, than any other type of game. I mean, for one thing, there's two weeks before it. It feels kind of like this this weird little bye week (laughs) happening. And then, of course, the fact that it is at home as compared to somewhere else. And then with all of the changes with COVID travel, this is just – Nothing about this is a normal couple weeks leading up to the Super Bowl. So tell us a little bit about how the Buccaneers are planning to handle it schedule-wise.
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny because the last time the Super Bowl was not preceded by a two-week break or you know one by week before the Super Bowl-, Bowl week was actually in 2002 uh, or January of 2003 when the Buccaneers were in it. They had to turn around right from their trip back from Philly and fly out to San Diego with not that extra week in between. So now we get to what would normally be a normally scheduled uh, Super Bowl two weeks, and it's not – uh, because of um, you know, because of the COVID thing and all the changes that the league made to you know try to keep that contained as much as possible. And um, but the but what is normal about it is that the Buccaneers are at home and they can go through their normal routine. When Bruce Arians was asked if there was any advantage to playing the Super Bowl at home, basically said the big advantage it's not really game day, it's the days leading up to it because you can sleep in your own beds and you can prepare, you can do your normal routines. So what the Buccaneers are doing this week is they're holding their usual three practices. They did give the players one extra day off today, so there's no practice today, but they're holding what they would normally hold on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Then the players will get a few more days off, and then they'll go back to a normal schedule of practice next week. So I know that's what Bruce is going to stress to his, his team. This is normal Week of preparation, or two weeks in this case. It's like having a bye week and then preparing for a normal game. We're going to do it the way we normally do it. And so, uh, you know, I know that would be an advantage if the Buccaneers can do it that way.
0: I was thinking how it's a little bit unfortunate that it seems like one of the advantages we would have having the Super Bowl at home was that you're not having to travel. And normally teams go so early, they're there a whole week, and that's a whole week that you're somewhere else, you're away from your family, you're at a hotel, all that kind of stuff. But now, with both, you know, that's that was going to be the case with both teams, anyways, that the Chiefs aren't going to come in until just a day or two before the game. So you, yep. you lose a little bit of that home field advantage that you wanted. But I, that's I do. That, think yeah, the, the that's exactly right. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit unfortunate there. But um, all right, we uh, we had a question from Daniel, and I thought this was cool that um, we always love when we can give shout outs to different people within the organization. And he brought up Maral Javadifar, who we know as MJ, who uh, is one of the two female coaches on staff, and she works with our strength and conditioning staff. and. He basically just said, um, you know, I'm sure with so many, you know, injuries this year, she's been incredibly valuable. Can you help give us some insight into how valuable she is to this organization and the fact that, you know, we have seen players be able to come back and um, just kind of what that has looked like. So um, I know that I've I've definitely talked to her and, um, you know, done some interviews, you know, especially for a lot of the Women of Red content about her and Coach Lowe and um, the staff just really brag all the time about how she has a bit of a different skill set than other people in the strength and conditioning staff because she has more of a physical therapy background. So a lot of the work that she does with everybody is preventative. And then it is also a way to really focus on rehab in a strength and conditioning way. Um, so yeah, they, they just talked about what a unique skill set she has and the way her background is. So I know that's a big part of it. I am not even remotely smart enough to understand the science behind all of it. So I won't even try to do that. Um, but yes, so thank you, Daniel, um, for that. Uh
1: Yeah, it's good that he highlighted MJ um, and really all those people that work in the um, training and strength departments. Um, You know, if you look at our our starts for our starters, we didn't miss a lot. I mean, and, and that's some of that is always luck, but that's that's one thing you'll often see with a team that makes it this far. If you look back, you know we lost OJ Howard and we lost Vita Vea, but we got Vita Vea back. We basically had all of our starting offensive linemen all right to the end there until Alex Kappa had the ankle injury. And uh, if you look at our starts on a weekly basis, we haven't had to change the lineup very much at all, and that's definitely an advantage.
0: Yes, one thousand percent. And I and I also just you know shout out to the team for taking COVID seriously. And, you know, that was another thing is that that can kind of be viewed as an injury this year when you have guys at the same time. So that's a whole other thing that just props to the organization for handling well. Um, And speaking of injuries, Trevor wanted to know what is the status of Anton Winfield Jr.'s injury?
1: Well, there's no real status at this point, but I think the three guys that we're obviously going to be tracking are Winfield and Antonio Brown and Jordan Whitehead and Personally, given that there's two weeks to get ready, I got a pretty good feeling about that group as a whole. I mean, Antoine Winfield Jr. was being tested on the day of the game in Green Bay, and I think he was close to being able to go. So if he was almost able to go in that game, he certainly would think he'd be back two weeks later. Jordan Whitehead talked after the game, you know, because he had such a great game, and then he left with a shoulder injury. And in those situations, lots of times a guy, even though he had a great game, you don't put him in front of the camera, um, especially when it's all controlled by Zoom this year. But uh, they, they did, and he was very – obviously was saying, I'm going to play in the Super Bowl. So I don't think they would put him out there if he had a serious injury that was going to end his season. And then Antonio Brown, coach said uh, – was saying most of last week that he was, a ga- he was going to be a game-day decision. And then on Friday they decided, no, you, you know, travel sometimes makes knees and other things swell up if they're injured like it did with Ronald Jones going to Washington. And so if he was close to going on that trip, again, you'd think two weeks later you'd be in pretty good shape.
0: Yeah, that is definitely one of the perks of that two week uh, layoff there as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you about, uh, are there any other injuries besides those um, that we know of, you know, are those kind of the big ones at this point and overall, how healthy is the team going into this game?
1: Yeah, well, if those three guys come back, I think you're in great shape. I think Kansas City is too, assuming that, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he played through that toe injury and all that. So they seem to be in pretty good shape too. Um you know, it, it, actually, you can kind of look at it as the Bucks have gotten more healthy because Vita Vea is back, and he played 33 snaps in that game, Casey. I, I thought he'd played 10 or 15. He played 33, and apparently, they were asking him on the sideline, "How you doing? How you feeling?" And he was fine. So, if he played 33 snaps in that game, you'd think two weeks later he'd basically be—you'd be able to use him as much as you want in the Super Bowl. So, Vita Vea is back, like the full Vita Vea, which is incredible.
0: Yeah, that is amazing. Um, we've had a few questions recently about what it, how much of a home game this is for the Bucs in terms of what we tend to picture as a home game of the cannons firing and who's on what sideline and what locker room and all of that stuff. What do we know at this point about how much of a home game it will feel like?
1: Well, they do get to stay in their own locker room. So that's a plus. That's one thing. And, and technically it is a home game for the Buccaneers that, you know, it switches back and forth from year to year. So the NFC champ was going to be the home team in this one, the Buccaneers are playing on their own home, the first team ever on field, first team ever to do that, but they won't be controlling the game day and entertainment in the stadium. You know, the stadium has been reworked by the NFL. I, I was there yesterday, um, uh, recording a podcast with Jeff Ryan on, um, At the stadium and just looking out over it you know it's it's super bowl now and there's the logo in the middle of the field is the nfl logo not the flag you know the entire field was taken out and replaced as they do for every super bowl so um it's an nfl thing and so you won't have firing of cannons when we get in the red zone or or us doing our own stuff on the video board it'll be more of a a league thing um so you know and tickets both teams get the same number of tickets to a lot so in some ways it doesn't have the same advantages that a home game would have, but I know everybody in this area is ecstatic that the game is at home.
0: Yes, absolutely. And uh, Ben had asked how many fans will be allowed at the game.
1: The league has announced, I think somewhere around 22,000 or somewhere between 20 and 22 of which maybe seven or 7,000 or 7,500 will be vaccinated frontline healthcare workers. And so that's about roughly a third of the stadium, which is, you know we would love to have had that thing packed you know it's just that's not the realities of the situation right now
0: yep and uh someone named scott great name obviously uh wanted to know he talked about the idea of the second half of the last matchup um with the chiefs and how different it was from the very beginning of the game and just what we learned about from that game even just beginning to end what what sort of change and what we could take from it this time
1: Well, if you recall, that was during the the period, the stretch of the season when the Buccaneers were really struggling with slow starts on both sides of the ball. That definitely happened in that game. Couldn't get anything going early on on offense. And so, you know, Patrick Mahomes and kept getting the ball back and kept throwing it downfield to Tyreek Hill. And before you knew it, you were in a pretty big hole. Uh, They did they did come all the way back in the second half to make it a three point game, scored touchdowns on their last two possessions, just couldn't get the ball back one more time. Uh, but there were also two interceptions in the second half, which you know I think until this last game in Green Bay, that was the last time that Tom Brady had thrown multiple interceptions in a game, and and that's what. When you look back at it, that's probably what kept the Buccaneers from being able able to complete that comeback because those were two lost drives right there in the second half. Um, For the most part since then, the Buccaneers have been very consistent in offense and not turning the ball over at all. I know they did in the second half in Green Bay, but the defense really bailed us out in that regard. But for the most part in this long winning streak for the Buccaneers, which started right after that Kansas City game and after the bye, um, it's, you know, we haven't been turning the ball over. And I think that's probably the key.
0: And then we'll close with this. I know we're going to be a little bit shorter on our show today because of the fact that uh, Jason Light will be speaking to the media at 10.15. So I know there are a ton of questions and things we didn't get to, but we will be back the next couple days. So if you didn't get your question asked today, we're having to cut a little short to make sure that we're off in time for Jason Light. We'll come back in the next couple of days. So for right now, we'll close with this one. Aaron and a couple other people asked what uniform uh, is the team wearing? And I know we haven't announced that yet, um, but we are the home team. So it at least means we would get first choice Choice. i just wanted to address that real quick to to everybody that we will get to pick what uniforms are wearing because we're the home team we just haven't announced what that is yet so stay tuned
1: i think i I can guess knowing that information yeah yeah, we won't say anything
0: yeah we won't say anything we'll see we'll let it be a fun little announcement later all right well thanks to all of you guys for joining us and again we'll be back here tomorrow and friday morning at 10 a.m so bring your questions in and we'll see you later